0: Hey, listeners, Adam O'Donnell here. Today, you hear from Jeremy Allman. He talks about how they hit product market fit by meeting the customer where they are.
1: We had to learn how to sell the the value in a way they understood and meet them where they were at, which was the investments that they had already done.
0: He shares how he waited for nearly two hours before a prospect meeting, and he could see in the other room the people that he was about to meet with. What
1: was going on in that other room? Like, I think there was an interview and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're growing so fast. We need to hire like five finance people right now because um, we got to chase the money down. we got to be able to run the operations smoother. Like our business is going like.
0: So instead of leading with a demo, he started with the problem that they already had. Can
1: we just pause for a minute? Like our whole vision is to make your finance stack more efficient for you. Like if we can help you automate it, we can help you get your money fast. Those hires you make, maybe you make two of those hires. But boy, if I could supercharge those two, two people, Wouldn't that be like super valuable? And they were like, look, sign on the dotted line. Let's do that.
0: By the time he got to the demo, it was just a confirmation of the concept that they had already been sold.
1: The demo then basically validated the problem they were trying to solve with humans. And so it made it much easier versus start there.
0: Hey, welcome to Sit Down Startup Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder and VC. I now work at Zendesk for startups where we offer six months free use of Zendesk for qualified high growth companies. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Really excited to hear story about Paystand. If you could first tell us what, when you founded the company and was it doing the same thing that it is now?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so A, Adam is just Stoked to be here, man. Like, um, it's cool to be able to share founder stories with other founders, um, because it's not an easy ride, you know. So, um, um, you know, if you're gonna build anything great, it's gonna take time, right? And so, like, you know, how do you build these sort of enduring companies? Um, So, so for me, you know, Paystand is still hitting the same mission we started out with. Um, So, just for context for the for folks, uh, Paystand is the business-to-business payment network that creates radically better economics for customers. Um, You can think of a really, really simple way where like what Venmo does for for consumers making money movement digital and magic in the 21st century, uh, we do for complicated transactions in the heartblood of our economy. Um, So how did I get in the space? What's the origin story? So uh, the first few decades, two decades of my career were mostly in the enterprise side. So um, who we service today. So on one hand, it's important to know what the customer problem is, which I experienced day, day in and day out, you know, in an earlier life. Um, but in reality, if you're going to build a company that you you know think has uh, created a dent in the world, I think it's really important to have a personal reason for it too. Because building companies is hard, and so for me, the origin story actually started um, a little over 10 years ago. So. Um, uh, my family was one of the many millions of Americans that were just absolutely wrecked during the financial crisis. Um, the short version of their story was um, one of them, my mother was an immigrant who came to the US. Uh, she married, you know, a blue collar white guy, construction worker, and none of them went to college. Um, you know, they had two American dreams. One was to, you know, see their kids go off to college and have a better life like all great parents do. Um, And then two was to buy their own home, right? Um, And so they worked super hard, you know, in construction and in the fields for like 20 years to buy a house. Um, And then, and from kind of no fault of their own with people who don't have social safety nets, um, they were just one of the many millions of Americans who were affected by the banks basically falling apart. Um, And so they lost that home. And um, it's a much, much longer story, but the short version was, um, I was just super pissed off about that. Um, And, you know, I think a bunch of us at that period felt like, something as important to the economy as the financial system could do better. Um, And so that's what makes technology, I think, so great. And what we get to do is we get to imagine the world not as it is, but as it could be. And so um, I went back to grad school at that time right after 2008, 2009, Um, I studied why were banks too big to fail? What were the systematic problems in in financial services? Um, I got really, really early, this is like 12 years ago, um, involved in the crypto world and sort of what's the promise of the future? Um, and so we started this company with just just view if we could democratize and decentralize commercial payments, boy, that would be a big big dent in making you know banking system financial system more fair. Um, and so we've been at it kind of ever since. So
0: that is cool, man. I love how the mission does not change, and and the mission that you've built on is unbelievable. I think at the end of the day, because whatever you're doing, you're doing it for at least 10 years, or if you should be, if you're building a lasting company. So to have a mission that you connect with so closely, and I, I, I appreciate you sharing that. The first thing I was going to say is, so how big are you now? How many um, employees uh, do you have now?
1: Yeah. So, so we kind of from, from, if I, if I fast forward a little bit in the story, so finished grad school, um, started the business, like kind of idea in a napkin, in 2013, Um, 2014, we basically raised capital on the idea in a napkin. We've been selling in market since basically 2016. So I don't know, whatever that is, seven years now. Um, And and so now, you know, the business has some fun level of scale. So we are uh, the largest, fastest growing sort of next-gen business-to-business payment network on the planet. We do over $4 billion in volume um, on, on the blockchain, which I think is probably the largest commercial blockchain on the planet. Um, we have 400,000 businesses that, that pay into our network. Um, we've raised, you know, $85 million uh, to capital to date. Um, we're super, super efficient with it. So, um, you know, not a high burn rate business. Instead, we're just like, let's go build an amazing, you know, company that actually change how business is done. So um, we're excited. We've got some scale. Um, but if you think about the level of you know, transformation in, in financial services, we're just super scratching the surface. So on one hand, you know, the business has now got some velocity to it that's really, really fun. On the other hand, I look and, you know, there's some amazing consumer payment companies, amazing, amazing companies, but commercial payments is like five or 10 times larger depending on what analyst you look at. Um, business to business is the heartblood of our economy. And there is no company right now that is basically, you know, fully transforming that space. And so we think, you know, there's a Thunder Lizard independent public company to be built. So we're excited about that. I can't wait to see it. So the first thing is go
0: back to a time with your team before you've hit that hockey stick moment. Uh, maybe you were even a little frustrated that growth wasn't what you had hoped it would be. Uh, but it was right before that real moment of like, okay, we got something here and we, you know, as seen by this huge test that we just did that worked or something like that.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting now, looking back a few years is the product and the value props are the same kind of how do we use that has, you know, you learn more around it, but, um, so, you know, today our network is, is used by all these companies. Um, it's, 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 it's effectively gets their money faster, cheaper, and more effectively, meaning, um, You know, money, we believe, is software. It should be instant, automatic, and without fees. And payments don't work that way today. Um, And so, you know, if I look back at the very, very early version of the product, it was a very, very early version of that same value prop. So our very first product um, effectively did two things. You could basically get paid um, in in Bitcoin and crypto, which was way, way too early. Um, But if you did, you'd get your money super fast. You know, we could automate the process with the invoice and then you'd ultimately, um, you know, you'd have no fees because, you know, um, that's the way uh, digital assets work. But this is like in 2015, right? Um, And then we said you could get paid in credit cards as a way to kind of get people bootstrapped into the network. If I look at the product today, it's it's, it's a more mature version of that. You run into our network, you don't have to worry about kind of anything, it all gets paid in dollars and cents, but it ultimately moves that money in that same way. So value props are the same, uh, but how we get there, how we position is really, really different. Um, And so I think in the early days, let's say 2016, 2017, what we had to learn was how did we speak in those value props in a language that our customer understood? So we couldn't talk about crypto, we couldn't talk about these things. So we just had to talk about what did it mean for their business? And so we started working with um, companies that basically had um, already put most of their finances in the cloud. So they had like an Oracle Net Suite, you know, they had a Sage Intact, maybe they had a Salesforce on the CRM side. So their business was digitally native already. um, And they'd already invested in making their business like quite competitive by putting technology in it. And what we had to say to them is hey, you know, Mrs. CFO and Mr. CFO, You did all that work, but if the revenue is the lifeblood of your business and you still have to chase down paper checks, like that's crazy. You just spent millions and millions of dollars. And then the part that's the most important doesn't work. So we had to learn how to sell the the value in a way they understood and meet them where they were at, which was the investments that they had already done. Um, And when we started doing that, that's really when it started taking off. Um, And then that became repeatable because you can start going, okay, we know exactly who that customer is. We know where they live. We know how they operate and we know the language we can use. Um, so it's, so it's the tech is the innovation, but the language and the positioning is really what like you have to figure out right in that product market fit zone.
0: Ah, uh, man, that is a painful lesson that I spent years trying to figure out and the, the concept of jobs to be done. Uh, if you're familiar with that, which is, it's just like simply like no one cares about a drill bit. If you're, if you're, if you're ultimately trying to build a building or a hammer, they just care about the outcome. They're trying to build a house, they're trying to build a whatever, a, a shed, um, but these are just tools to help you get there. So you're saying, hey, speak the language in a way that they understand, meet them where they are. Is there like a specific customer where you really had that
1: switch of mind? Yeah, you have these moments as a founder, You know, especially when you're doing product market fit, um, you should have a view that you can kind of see around the corner where you're like, there are signals of pre-product market fit. The customer is not necessarily fully buying yet. It's not the full price, but you're starting to see some heads nod, right? Or you're starting to see the problem. So um, uh, our very first, what I'd call long-term customer um, that, that not, not only mapped our product market fit, but mar- mapped to the, the market we were selling into with the customer profile we were selling into. I flew out, I'm in California most of the time. I flew out to New York um, and this customer had just implemented um, like a big ERP installation. They had NetSuite in their system, um, and and I was supposed to go meet them to talk about, hey, let's like let's change your payment infrastructure. And I get there and this is like a distribution company. It's super cool. They like had all of the like alcohol distribution in, in New York and the Northeast for like the coolest wine, the coolest like beverages from Europe and all these other places. Anyway, so I get into the office um, I'm supposed to meet the CFO, okay? And um, I go into the office and I wait in the lobby and they put me in a conference room. They put me in a conference room for two hours, okay? Now I'm a little annoyed, but like, you know, you got it. those early customers matter, right? And I'm like, okay, you know. So anyway, so I watch like people scrambling around. It's one of those glass conference rooms. And um, I see the conference room next to me, the per- people I'm pretty sure report up to my buyer, the finance person, the controller and some AR people. I see them going in and out of this conference room and I, and I, I'm pretty sure they're interviewing people. And so anyway, so two hours later, the CFO comes in and the CEO comes in and they're like, hey, I'm super sorry, blah, 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 blah. Things are crazy. And I go, hey, can I just ask you, like, while you were putting me up and I was sitting here drinking like 30 cups of coffee, um, what was going on in that other room? Like, I think there was an interview and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we're growing so fast. We need to hire like five finance people right now. You know um because we got to chase the money down we got to be able to run the operations smoother like our business is going like this and i said hey you know like can we just pause for a minute like like our whole vision is to make your finance stack like more efficient for you like if we can help you automate it we can help you get your money fast and we can help you like get your money like at a lower cost boy wouldn't that be cool so those, those hires you make, maybe you make two of those hires because it's hard, hard to hire people. You know, maybe you're not gonna get four people, but boy, if I could supercharge those two, two people, wouldn't that be like super valuable for you? Um, and, and they were like, look, sign on the dotted line, let's do that because I don't think we're gonna get those five people tomorrow, but if I can get two of them and pay stand, like we're, we're off to the races. So I think that's an example of like, you know, we met where the need was at with a customer that was trying to solve the problem with a human case, and we said, hey, let's come alongside that. And let's just supercharge it so you can be super competitive. So
0: I love this because I think people get so excited about the hype, the lingo of their own business. Crypto and, and all the other things. And you're saying, the, wait, wait, wait. Like, like there's no, you weren't even talking about doing a demo. It was like, hey, this problem that you have right now that caused you to make me wait for two hours I, I got you right now. And they and they had to have they had to have conceptually understood how you're gonna do it. How did you
1: phrase that? Yeah, I, I think once they said, okay, here's the problem to solve, then the product can come in, right? Then the product's like, cool. Um, In our case, it turned out that those four people were literally reconciling payments. So they'd get a paper check-in, they'd have to spend all this time tracking down who paid what, because it's logistics, so it's super complicated. Oh, I now need to call people. Like, if you broke down what they were actually having that hiring and saying, well, if we could just automate that process. So let me show you how the the invoice goes out, the payment goes out in a single click, everything's automated. It's like self-driving money. And you just, your people, like, all they need to do now is is finalize that past statement and everything else in that cash cycle is done the demo then basically validated the problem they were trying to solve with humans and so it made it much easier versus start there yeah that's good how did you take these learnings from this meeting and apply it
0: to hit that hockey stick growth
1: well the cool thing is if you're in if you're in a sufficiently big enough market but you you want to be in a sufficiently big enough market where you can target at least in b2b like who those people are because sometimes, like, I'll look at, like, other founders. My first startup was a problem like this um, that that um, didn't get as far as I wanted it to. And it's like, you can talk about a big market, but, like, how do you target those people in a really, really specific way? So so what we knew from that, that role was there were 10,000 other people that was just like um, that CFO I was talking to. So cool, you know. If, if, if that's one of 10,000, boy, we got a business to build, right? You know, so. That's amazing. What was your best channel to, to reach them? Yeah, I mean, so those channels will evolve like over time. That's actually one of the things that changes from like the early days, like post-product market fit to the days where you're like scaling, is those channels like evolve and get more mature. So in the early days, again, like with our business, who we sell into, which is principally mid-market enterprise, once we knew who they were, and we knew what their like buying behavior was and what their customer profile looked like. We just, you know, we went, I don't know, like hand hand combat, right? So we were pretty sales-led. We are like, okay, if we can get to those 10,000, like great. Whether it's, you know, directed, smile and dial, whether it's LinkedIn, like we know who they are. We know where they live, you know, um, and those are the early days. You start growing over time and you'll start layering things in like now almost 50% of our business is driven by channel partners um, because those people interact with other folks in the ecosystem, Um, you know, and so, and marketing plays a a role and all these other things that you kind of layer in, but I'm a big fan in the early, early days. Like you got to just, you know, get in front of that customer and you got to just go spear, you know, so.
0: Absolutely.
1: How are you spending your time then versus now? I mean, you know, in those days I spent like, basically to me in those days, like if you weren't talking to a customer or you weren't building product, like nothing else mattered. Um, you know, at, at, at a different stage of the company, you know, we're a couple hundred people now, you know, it's a, it's a different stage of the company. To me, like a big thing is how do I scale within the team? Because that same is true, but the organization has way more surface area. So So now like you know, who do I hire is probably the big thing I think about because that person's gonna create massive leverage. And so, you know, how do they steward well? Stewardship is so, so important. Um, and so you just, you know, it's important to hire people better, smarter, faster than you, you know, at this stage, so.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. If you're a founder and you're pre that meeting you had with that customer in New York, like maybe it's a month before that, um, what is the best advice that you're giving someone who's like in that phase?
1: Yeah, so I think it's really easy to focus on what doesn't work. Um, What I would say is if you distill your value prop down to like some very, very basic things and go, what is the smallest sign of smoke before there's fire, right? And, 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 And then what you're doing is you're iterating on that, right? So even before that meeting with that customer, we had customers that were using us that were like, hey, cool. I don't know, like this crypto stuff is a little hard for my business to uptake. But boy, if I got my money without fees and didn't have to pay 3% to Visa, like if you could do that in a way that 100% of my payments like did that, I'd be stoked, right? Like the product didn't fully do it in a way that worked for their business in those early days, but they were validating this thing that said, hey, there's a version of your value prop that if you actually get this promise to be true, um, you know, like that is that we will buy. Right. And so I think you got to look at that and then you just got to iterate on that a billion times. Right. So <laughs> just keep that cycle
0: because the more that you got to keep the cycle up,
1: there's no way around yeah. it. Yeah. Blow, yeah, blow, blow on good. the smoke. Right. It's like a little piece of kindling. You're like, okay, I can see it. The, the twigs are running. Just like now we got to blow on it, and make it work. So uh,
0: man, I love it. Last question What's your superpower? Just you personally, and maybe as it changed the bits as the company's grown.
1: Yeah. You know, I think um, they they say in general, like a CEO's job is to A, ensure the company's growing, like ideally at a world-class rate, um, you know, B, like hire the best people that you can and C, ultimately don't run out of money, right? Like those are kind of those, the three North stars you should be working on when the company's at the stage. Um, You know, and so I think for me, what do I enjoy? Um, I enjoy two things. Looking at where can we build the vision and set the vision, right? To make sure the company's growing in the right place. Right, um, and then I actually really love going down into the operation level. Um, and so I can go really really wide and really deep, kind of like a T, right? So I tend to look for people who are like that, where they're, they're wide in, in surface area, but then they're deep in one area. And why I think that's important is, um, you know, a company without vision is, is ultimately rudderless and doesn't achieve kind of world-class greatness. They're just okay. And in the Valley, like we should be spending our time on the biggest, best things that move the needle forward. Um, so, so you have to have a North star, but then if you can't execute, it does not matter. Like it does not matter. And so a high degree of discipline matters a ton. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I run, run hard and go do those things. And I think the business will be okay. So. Jeremy, thank you so much. Adam, always good, bro. Thanks man, Appreciate it.
0: That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com slash startups.